In a world where options are limitless, but time is not, two heroes take a stand against injustice and overwhelming viewing choices. Starring Jane Ellen and Adam Cravens. A podcast that lets you know what's worth watching and what's not. From the Hints and Oakley Podcast Center, this is Binge or Cringe. Hello and welcome to Binge or Cringe. I'm Jane Ellen. And I'm Adam Cravens. And I'm going to give you a treat. I I have so many things, and I know you have so many things we can talk about in Binge or Cringe, but I'm just going to jump right to this. The Mandalorian is back on Disney Plus with Timothy Oliphant and All is Well in the World. Man, I saw an article. I, I, I'm not saying that it's it's broken new ground or that it's saying anything that we haven't been saying for years. More or less, it said everything that Timothy Oliphant touches, mm-hmm. he makes better. And isn't he just playing Raylan Givens in space here? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And I was just like, well, A. His character from Justified. You say that. And it sounds like you mean it in a bad way. And B, yes, everything that he touches, he makes better. I, why is Raylan Givens in space a bad thing? It's like, not. I would totally if, watch that. If you released a show on Netflix called Raylan Givens in space, I'm in. I don't need to see the preview. No. I'm just like, wait, how did he get into space? I don't care how he got into space. I don't care if it's the stupidest reason ever. If Raylan Givens is in space, I want wait, to see what wait, he's doing. Wait. Raylan Givens and Captain Mal. In space. I, I, you don't even have to put in space. I don't care if it's just Raylan Givens and Captain Mal going to get a burger. Like, <laughs> I'm in. I don't care what they're doing. Oh, and the guy who does, um, you know, he's Harrison got, Ford? No, 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 does, no, no. does the whipping and no. the, the archaeology and the glavin? <laughs> no. Uh, he was on the second season of Discovery, the captain, Captain... Oh, you're talking... Pike. 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 Yeah. Pike. Captain Pike. That guy. Well, I don't know. He would probably find the two of them very a unre- intimidating. I He'd guess. be like, y'all are pretty unreasonably like hostile and violent. Like, <laughs> why? What, what's what's that about? We're all guys? pretty funny. And then uh, just for fun, I would also throw in uh, Paul Rudd because. Well, there. I mean, again, another another person who really makes everything better mm-hmm. whenever he touches it. Like, I loved the first two Avengers movies. I was like, how do you make these any better? They dropped Paul Rudd into one of them, and I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Why didn't I think of that? That's how you do it. So, no spoilers, because I don't care, and we still don't know anything. This is the storyline for the whole whole thing. In the first season of The Mandalorian, it's uh, The Mandalorian finds what most people call Baby Yoda— who's clearly a baby, and he was told to, like, get the baby. And he's like, I'm not going to turn this baby over to clearly Nazis in space. And so it was the whole thing about... There's there's a show you couldn't sell me. (laughs) (laughs) Nazis in space! (laughs) So it was the whole thing of, uh, this kid needs to go somewhere, but I'm not going to give it to the bad guys. And that was the whole first season. And it was awesome. This one is, I have to bring the child to its species, its people. Well, I mean, it, it, so that's that's where we're headed with this. The Mandalorian is tasked to bring the child to someone else of its kind. Besides Vader and like exploring everything about him, which I mean, at this point, the main line of the Star Wars films have kind of told every bit of Vader story mm-hmm. that you can. Like they talked about him, you know, finding him. They talked about the relationship with his son. And then we got to hear about his grandson. Like. Mm-hmm. Vader has been explored about as much as you can to a reasonable degree. I'm sure they'll find another way to do it. Oh, yeah. Yoda, who we has been around for 40 years, 
at this point. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, we, we don't, know we don't about him. Well, we don't even know what his species is. And you know, I never really thought about that until The Mandalorian came out because I knew it wasn't Yoda as a child. And then I thought, I don't know what Yoda is. I just accepted it. Well, this there's been there's been some like speculation on it from like uh, alternate scripts to the original trilogy. But as far as like an in canon reference to them just being like, oh, well, th- he's a this. You've you've seen what Yaddle mm-hmm. in I think Phantom Menace, which they they were like, well, that's another one of Yoda's people, and I'm like, right, right, right. But what is he? Like, is he is he a Romulan? Is he a Klingon? Is he a mm-hmm. is he human? Is he? is he a frog? Like, what, what 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 is he? So in this, if it is at all possible, Baby Yoda is even cuter than in, and I just saw the first episode of season two, even cuter, almost like a puppy with its head out the window. Because he goes everywhere the Mandalorian goes. It just everything. And Timothy Oliphant delivers so many wonderful things for Star Wars fans. Like, I've been here since the Death Star blew up. The second one! I mean, he... <laughs> there, he, he shows up and we're on Tatooine, which is yes. evidently the center of the universe. Everything happens on Tatooine. Yes. And he shows up wearing an armor... That one could only describe as having some sort of a very familiar look to another Mandalorian. Yeah, it's totally Boba Fett's armor. Like the, I, I'm just sitting there going, "Well, they're on Tatooine. That those colors are holy cow! If that's not Boba Fett's armor, like I, I, I don't know. I they don't know don't what to explain, do. Here. They explain how he got it. He got it off the Jawas." Which would make but, sense if they they farmed it off yeah. a of Sarlacc. But in my head, I'm just sitting there going. Well, there. So, so he, what's going on? So he and is. And at the dead? end, at the end, you see someone watching, and it's Django. Well, technically, this could be Boba or Django because Boba Fett was just a clone uh, of Django yeah, Fett. So, like, yeah. if, if they were like, "Oh, well, they bear a striking, striking relationship," yeah, they probably do have a very strong resemblance to one another. They're clones of each other. So, this can either be Django Fett, which I doubt. Because he got his head cut off by Mace Windu. Oh, forgot or, about that. Or, well, I mean, but well, he wasn't in armor. I mean, they they wanted you to see his face. Yeah, and this is definitely the, the guy. That definitely the guy from Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. So it is either Boba Fett, or keep in mind we did at one point have a clone army. So where it could be any of them. Literally, all of them looked like him. But I, it seems like John Favreau, who wrote and directed this episode and also created the show itself. If I was him and I'm going to have Boba Fett's armor show up, I'm going to have it on the planet from return of the Jedi where he would have hypothetically lost his armor and died. Um, That's right. Mandalorian armor is like some kind of magical almost. So maybe he can survive the Sarlacc. I mean, I I don't know why you would go through all the trouble of hiring the actor that played Jango Fett, who is going to look just like, Boba Fett to have him turn like why would you waste a wonderful reveal bring the Boba Fett armor for that just to be like nah it's a random clone trooper (laughs) (laughs) it has nothing to do with that all of you all of you people that thought that was Boba Fett you're silly you're silly so it this the storyline was reminiscent of the movie Tremors 
Yep. And uh, and it looked like high noon, but Tatooine always looks like that. And Timothy Oliphant, just everything, just everything. I, I love that no matter where he goes, what time period he is in, what galaxy he is in, Timothy Oliphant just always feels like a cowboy. Yes. Like... I, I'm, I, I'm like when he's in Justified and he's just in the, the backwoods of Kentucky felt like a Western I was watching, despite mm-hmm. the fact that it is not remotely in the West of anything. Where is he from? He's a Southerner, isn't he? Then he, he, he goes to Star Wars. He goes to the birthplace of Anakin Skywalker in the place that Luke Skywalker spent most of. This is a galaxy far, far away, Jane. I don't know if it's in the Western part of the galaxy. Timothy Oliphant shows up. And I'll tell you, like, he's just swaggering. He's swaggering. Oh, in, he was born in Hawaii. Which huh. is very, I technically, I guess, is very west. I guess. It's even further west than the west. Yeah. But the, yeah, he is, and when, when you're in a Star Wars show, being the best thing about it, because, like, it's not like this is one of the, this if you're in the, the Star Wars holiday special and you're the mm-hmm. best thing about it, like, you didn't really have a lot of competition. The Mandalorian is probably the best thing to happen to Star Wars since Disney took it over. And I like yeah. I enjoyed Force Awakens. I, I, I liked Rogue One a lot. I didn't I, I haven't loved everything about it. Mandalorian, I would argue, is probably the best thing Disney has produced since they purchased it. Mm-hmm. To be the best thing about that, like you're you're running uphill like in a marathon, and I, I if anybody was going to do it, I would assume Timothy Oliphant could be. I believe in him, and I love him. So The Mandalorian, and we have said this before, and we will say it again, you do not have to be well-versed in Star Wars to enjoy The Mandalorian. As a matter of fact, don't, don't, even, don't even, just watch it. That's all. Just watch. And they, yeah. do a, they do like a minute or a minute and a half recap, so you understand how he got the child. And there's a little bit, a little bit more comedy in this one. Uh, it, it's all good. It's all wonderful. And I, I mean, yeah, I honest, you, you get like whenever like a Jawa shows up or the Sand People mm-hmm. or they mention like yeah, there are a lot of Tatooine. Like yeah. they, they do a lot of like winks and nods, but like they, you're the the overall narrative doesn't require them. Mm-hmm. It's if you're listening and you hear it and you're just like, oh. Yeah. If you're a fan of Star Wars, they've got some Easter eggs for you. Yes, but plenty. if you don't, if you don't pick them they out. They even they even um, uh, quoted some dialogue from the very first one. Now I can't remember what it was, but it was like as she started to say it, I finished it because I that's where they were headed with it. John Favreau obviously has a love and adoration for the original. Like, oh, I know what it was. It's it's, it's what uh, Obi Wan said. Um, it's been a long time since I've heard that name. It was that. They're, I mean, like I said, they just they like to like just populate it. I mean, even the way that he shoots some of the stuff mm-hmm. looks like it came straight out of 1977. And I don't mean that derogatory. Like, I, I love the way that the first three movies were shot. Mm-hmm. And like even some of the special effects feel like they're more practical than computer generated. It's just it, it, as much as you can be an homage without like directly ripping stuff off, but still creating something new. That's what the Mandalorian feels like yes. to me and looks like a world-class movie even though it's a, a 43 minute show oh yeah like the the production values yeah. on this like are better than some of these star trek movies that came out in the 90s yeah like and i mean those were those were feature 
mm-hmm. feature film released in the, like multi-million like dollar Trek budgets, Five, for instance. Let's... But we'll go down that rabbit hole later. Anyway, so The Mandalorian, Disney Plus, watch it. And if you had gotten, remember when Disney Plus came out, it was about a year ago and Verizon people got it for free. Your year is about up. Just putting that out there. But, I mean, they the ESPN, Hulu, Disney Plus bundle, like, yeah, which costs about as much as Hulu on its own. I, I'm just saying, like, if you're if you're going to like if you don't have the Internet and you don't want to stream things like I can't help you. Mm-hmm. But if you cannot find something to watch. And either ESPN, Hulu, or Disney Plus, you don't like television. Somebody asked me, hey, do you, do you know what that commercial? It's like, no, I don't watch commercials. It's, I mean, unless. I don't watch commercials. I mean, unless it shows up on Hulu. Yeah. Occasionally that happens. Seven, if it's a commercial from the 80s, I know it, but I, I don't know. What? You don't know this as seen on TV? No, I don't. Who watches live TV? Anyway, I digress. Binge or Cringe is brought to you by Hinson Oakley Family Dentistry. Jane Ellen talking with Adam Cravens about what is worth streaming on the TV. And I'll be honest, there is a lot. It seems like we go through like a dearth yes. of stuff. And then like we just get clocked in the mouth with it at at one point. Like, and it's just, there's almost so much I've I have to schedule it. Like, maybe not quite to that level, but, like, it's just, it, there's so much of it. I'm like, where where were you three three months ago? Where were you a week ago? Yeah. Um, and there's just so much I want to share. Which one should I even start with? I guess we'll do the one that we both watched, and uh, that was, what's it called? You know, are, that are, one. Are we talking about Discovery? Or are no. We, which which That which one, one that we both watched. Which ones? Are, uh, you know, the, the Trial. Oh, Trial of the Chicago 7. Trial of the Chicago 7. Oh, wait a minute. We can't talk about... We can't talk about that because I have to tell you about the Sasha Baron Cohen movie. We can talk about the trial with Sasha Baron Cohen actually acting later. I knew I, there was something I was saving for you. Okay, fair And enough. it was this. So, Borat. Very nice. <laughs> With his second movie film. I have so much to say about it. It's on Amazon Prime. It is in no way suitable for children. I mean, and if you saw the original, which I did about, what was it, 10 years ago when it was released? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I mean, honest to goodness, it's probably not appropriate for most adults. Like, Correct. It's, there I, I mean, is a scene. Yep. I know the one you're talking about. There is a scene. And uh, I made the mistake of eating while I was watching Borat. It was a mistake on Hol- your part. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah, now, I, I it's hit about the fast as, forward then. It's about as intelligent as w- eating during one of the Jackass movies. Now, I have two thoughts about this second Borat film. It is disgusting. But, that is my one thought. Just, but the second thought is there is a brilliance to it that is just, it can floor you. And yet some of it is so intensely gross. I, I would almost describe everything that Sasha Baron Cohen has ever done as at point like you you really can see the the artistry in his comedy there is artistry but then as soon as you're just like wow that that really hit that's some brilliant then you see something and you're like oh I can't, oh why did I yeah oh it's burned into my mind at the very heart of this much like Tatum and Ryan O'Neill's Paper Moon it's a journey of a father and daughter going through life. That's 
mean, I, I have I have not seen Borat too. But. And that that is the heart of the story. He he has been in prison since the first Borat. Probably the, for the best. And he is pulled out because uh, the higher-ups at his country, they they like how the president in the U.S. of A. is big, tough guy, friends with other people they want to be friends with. So they want Borat to offer a gift to the vice president. But they decide not to be the vice president. They end up going with Giuliani, who actually... Appears got boratted, and I will discuss this. So there's a scene with Giuliani in it where he has said he was just adjusting his shirt. I actually think he was just adjusting his shirt. However, his behavior toward who he thought was a young girl interviewing him, but was actually an actress who's a young girl interviewing him. His behavior, I felt, was condescending, uncalled for, and too touchy touchy. Way too touchy-touchy. It it amazes me, like especially when you think back to the fact that at one point this man was a major contender mm-hmm. to be the presidential like nominee for for the part, and he is. You, you see, just sometimes how possibly poor an idea like that could have been to the point that he's a punchline in Borat, too. So. Again, he says he wasn't taking off his pants. He was adjusting his shirt because he had a mic on and things like that. And genuinely, that is what it looked like to me. But if you just glance at it, you may think he's doing something else. Well, and and, and on the flip side of it, if that's not what he was doing, you're basically committing like career and political suicide by going, yeah, you know what? That's absolutely what I was doing. Sorry, my bad. Um. I, I won't do it again. There, essentially, she or he, I forget who, but says, hey, let's go have a drink in the bedroom. There's no, there's no reason for that at all. No reason for that. And he's old enough to know better. There's no reason to do that. Because he is not a spring chicken. No. So there you go. There's absolutely no reason that he should have gone to have a drink in the room. Now, the way he was talking to her the whole time was just getting under my skin. Because people used to talk to me like that when I was younger, and you just you just let it happen. And I was getting angry for her. That's all. Getting angry for her. But uh, there was that, and it, the story does end happily. There is happy closure. And Borat learns that girl child can be even better than boy child because his boy children turned on him and he found his daughter living in a barn. And there you have that. Which really is like a a story that only Borat can. Like, you're not going to find that in like a a Disney like princess Mm -hmm. film. Like, it's weird that that's both touching and completely uh, inappropriate yes. and and pretty pretty close to if not definitely offensive but that's also like a pretty good description of the the first Borat movie like and there are some good jokes can i recommend it hmm and if you liked DLG like i mean he has a very specific brand of comedy yes. like would my grandmother enjoy it no oh my goodness no um would would a 15-year-old find it funny? Almost certainly. Like, it, 
it is definitely not for everyone. No, it really isn't. And, but there is a genius to what he does. But also let it be said, this is absolutely disgusting. He makes sure he finds out where the line is. And then he crosses it about a half a mile yes. to a mile over. Yes. It's it it's inappropriate. Um, it's it's offensive. Um, there are not moments. And again, I, I'm speaking about the first one. I haven't seen the mm-hmm. second one yet. Um, there there are moments of like genuine hilarity, but like it has always been about pushing the envelope, saying things that you shouldn't or can't say. Mm-hmm. And, and and getting away with it. So it like I said, it's a very it's not it's not an episode of Seinfeld. It's not it is not it's not a rerun of Frasier. Like it's its own it's very much its own thing, and you are not going to find comedy like this outside of of Sasha Baron Cohen. And you really, really have to be into film or or be willing to accept it on different levels. If you're just looking for easy entertainment, I can't say this is gonna be what you want because you will probably be disgusted, but it's 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 very much its own. A beast. little in, like Andy Kaufman never was disgusting, but you know he really had his own thing happening there. Yeah, that uh, again, like John, Johnny Carson was not doing like and, and Andy Kaufman's like mm-hmm. shtick, like at any point. Nobody like was ever doing Andy's Andy stuff. W- was it funny? Yeah, sometimes it was really funny. Was it? Was it was it strange? Was oh, it weird? Yeah. Was it inappropriate? Uh, a lot of the time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was. Like, did you not know what was going on some of the time? Yeah. I would love to have seen a conversation between Andy Kaufman and Borat. That I mean, that would be get Jim Carrey to channel him oh, again. Because yeah. if, if you have not seen the documentary about Jim Carrey while he was making uh-huh. Man on the Moon. It's insane. I am and, and I don't know anything about supernatural possession. Um but if if that kind of thing exists, Andy Kaufman really may have possessed Jim Carrey during the making of that mm-hmm. movie. Like it's it's eerie Un- and it's strange, uncanny. And I completely understand why they made sure that documentary did not see the light of day until twenty years later, because Jim Carrey looks like a kook in it. <laughs> and I'm sure they're just like, well, we really just want to make back the money that we spent on this biopic. Uh, that's great. I'm glad you went method. Holy cow! What you recorded this? No, no, <laughs> we are we are not releasing this. So that is on Amazon Prime, and it, they're making it's a big splash. I mean, it's they want you to know it's there. Having said that, Sasha Baron Cohen is not a one trick pony. He doesn't just do this. He can sing. He can act. I mean, he can really act. And this is a character he portrays. And you, yeah, you forget that sometimes until, yes. until you see him actually do that. Yes. So, yes, um, his second movie film is on Amazon, and it's there. <laughs> that's, that's really that's, all I can say. That's a very accurate way. It is there, and, and, and some parts of it are very nice. I think it's very interesting that these films are finding their way onto streaming giants now. Like... You, you've had a couple of modestly budgeted. I'm really interested in seeing whenever, like, I think, I think Disney probably knew that Mulan was not going to do like, you know, a $2 billion business. That's the reason they I let it, it. Well, I'm not, yeah. I'm just saying like, I, I think they probably tested it enough and just, they were like, you know what? We're going to sacrifice one. We're releasing this in March anyways. Okay. We're, we're going to, we're going to try this. I, I want to see the movies that 
like you're all but certain we're going to be like the one like James Bond, the newest the No Time to Die was apparently that close to going to streaming. MGM wanted six hundred million dollars for it, and apparently the most they said they would pay was like four hundred and fifty million dollars, which I think it's funny that both of those numbers are so astronomical. Like I would just be like, guys, I, I have a twenty. On me, okay, <laughs> that you you might as well just say a billion a trillion. Like, just make up a number because I can't mm-hmm. I can't touch those numbers. You, the the smart like Borat, I'm assuming like maybe had a budget of like twenty twenty five million, if that. Mm-hmm. You've got a film like you know Bond or Wonder Woman eighty four or like, but basically like if they don't start moving some of these films into streaming, we're just going to get like a three hundred million dollar blockbuster movie every week of 2021 like they're they're going to basically they're they're going to eat their young like you mm-hmm. can't open 52 blockbusters and expect all of them to make the amount of right. money so i mean do you do what i mean what do you do i say you should release the movies adam and i want to see now on demand it really does make me angry that i should have watched Ghostbusters Afterlife several yes. times over. I should already own it and uh that's the one that hurts me the most. Or that it's been over a year since I've seen a new Marvel Studios movie and don't say, Well you know what about the mm. mutants. You know what I'm talking about. Stop it. <laughs> I, I'm just like Spider Man Far Far from or uh Far From Home like yeah. was over a year ago. Like event what if Avengers Endgame had have been slated for release in 2020? We like, would have lost it. Holy cow. Like, I, I, I actually was thinking about that, just going, Talk about unhinged. Man, we had an eight, like, built for 10 years, and then they, I was just like, but I've been, wait, why do we, I can't. <laughs> Thank goodness they released that thing in 2019. But, like, I mean, there hasn't been a new Marvel film in forever, to the point that, and I, I didn't realize this either, but like Sonic the Hedgehog is going to end up being the highest grossing superhero film of the year, which is a title Marvel has pretty much held since Iron Man 2 in 2010. Hmm. Like Sonic. And it, Sonic's it's, a superhero? Uh, okay. It's, well, well okay. It. I'm just saying, what other super... Okay, I guess. Do a very basic... And I mean, there's a huge asterisk on there because like they re- Marvel hasn't released any movies. Like DC, I think, released a movie. There, there's no other superhero films that have been released. So with, like I said, with the, you know, the quotation fingers on it, Sonic the Hedgehog, Bad Boys for Life, which was released in what, February or was it January? I don't remember. I don't remember is the, anything. It is the second highest grossing film of the year. Like, it's just, I, I was looking at all of that stuff and going, because I remember going, wow, that's really good for January. Can't wait to see what happens when blah, 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 blah is released. And then March happened. Like, and Bad Boys for Life, because it didn't get taken out by, like, any kind of COVID, anything, like, mm-hmm. had a really reasonably long, healthy life in cinema, outgrossed the first two movies. But again, everybody was just like, ah, it's January. Like, it, what, it, what, it made $400 million? <laughs> wait till May. Oh, dear. <laughs> There's nothing being released in May. <sighs> anyway... I'm, I'm, I'll say one more thing. Dr. Doolittle yes. is one of the top 10 highest grossing films of the year. Okay. <laughs> he didn't have to say that I'm just loud. pointing. I just want to, I want people to understand the state that, that we live in. And 
Anyway, there's lots to stream. There's lots of new stuff to stream. There is the final, the final few episodes of Supernatural ending a 15-year arc that, again, was going to end in May. And halfway through, they had to stop production. So that's happening. And we'll talk all about that later. But in the meantime, thank you so much for listening to Binge or Cringe. I'm Jane Ellen. And I'm Adam Cravens. You've been listening to Binge or Cringe. Download your favorites and keep up with new episodes in the Hints and Oakley Podcast Center.